Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, welcome to God Mode. So glad that you've chosen to tune in and listen today. You know, I'm so excited wherever you're at, across the United States, all over in different countries. And my bro, Jonathan, who listens while he goes on his morning run. Thank you for tuning in today. So glad that you're here. You know, how many of you would love to see something different in 2023? And I'm not just talking about like the end of COVID days or the end of the complications we've seen in our country and beyond, but I'm guessing there are a lot of you that would like something to be very different in your own life. For example, some of you might be thrilled if you become more healthy and lose some weight. Some of you might want to pay off some debt. Others, you may be praying that God would give you a better marriage, or maybe you're hoping that you'd become closer to God. I'm guessing that almost all of you have some area of your life, like me, where you're hoping for something to be different. And perhaps you even have a goal or some type of resolution and you're thinking in this next year, it's finally going to be the year that I'm going to accomplish something or stop doing it or whatever. And maybe you even started out strong, but unfortunately, if you're like most people in the world today, your good attempt may fail relatively quickly. I mean, you're off the farm and you're in a lot of trouble. Why is it that so often we have really, really good intentions, we want to change, but we find it so difficult to make the changes in our lives? What I want to do over the next three weeks is I want to look very specifically how do we choose what I'm going to call the greater reward. And we're going to look at a guy that I promise you, he's going to encourage you. If you've ever felt like you can't figure out why you do the wrong thing, believe me when I tell you the Apostle Paul, he's going to make you feel way, way better about yourself. Let me give you some context about Paul. If you don't know, the Apostle Paul was a guy that would, that experienced and encountered the risen Christ, literally experienced him. Here's a guy that God used to raise the dead. The Apostle Paul wrote almost one-third of the New Testament, and as close to God as he was and as impactful as his ministry had become, I want to show you the words that he says in Romans chapter 7. He says this, It makes me feel so much better about myself. He said, I don't really understand myself. Did any of you ever feel like that at all? I mean, he said, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He said, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I want to do, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. I mean, he almost sounds crazy in a way, but that's very endearing. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who can help me change? Who can help me be better? Who can help me do what I want? 
I mean, who can help me stop doing what I don't want to do? And we're going to hold the answer to this question. But the, tonight, the title of today's message is, Help, I'm Out of Control. You know, I'm excited to talk about a subject that I really believe that can impact your life. In fact, it's a subject that I just spoke recently with Jonathan and I spoke about and some other young adults. But it's a subject that has gotten really what I call a bad rap. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about the gift of discipline. Discipline. Now, the moment I say discipline, a lot of you are like, oh, I'm not a disciplined person. I don't want to work that hard. I hate discipline. There are some people that are disciplined and I am not disciplined. I mean, discipline has gotten a bad rap. What I want to do is give you a very simple definition that I like to use in my own life for discipline that really puts it on a bottom shelf. Helps you see that not only is it attainable and achievable, but it's incredibly helpful in your life if you can let God help you grow in your discipline. What is discipline? A very simple definition is this. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Very, very simple. What is discipline? Discipline, with the help of God, is choosing what you want most over what you want now. What's funny is when you think about it, most people, most of us, we kind of want similar things, right? I mean, in almost every area, almost every major area of life, we want similar things, but results are often vastly different. For example, those of you that if you're married, chances are pretty good you want a marriage full of trust and intimacy. You, you want a strong marriage. I don't know anyone who's ever said, I want to be divorced four times by the time I'm 40. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants a good marriage. We want similar things. The same with our health. Most people say, I want to feel good. I want to look good. I want to be healthy. They don't want to say, I want to be out of shape. <laughs> My goal is to be winded every time I walk up a single flight of stairs. I want to look really, really bad in the beach in my bikini, right? Nobody says that. We want similar things when it comes to our finances. What do people want? We want to be able to bless others, right? We want to not have to worry about money. We want some freedom. We, we want to feel secure. Nobody says my goal is to be paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life. My goal is bankruptcy in three years or less. Nobody does that. What happens? So many of us, we want similar things, but we end up with tremendously different results. Why? We want the same thing, but we don't need the recognized desires. Don't determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. The desires don't determine what you do. Disciplines determine what you do. In other words, hoping for a better life won't bring a better life. Habits that honor God will bring a better life. Why is it that what we want perhaps to be more disciplined, but we end up failing? Why is it that we try so hard but fall so short? One of the reasons is because willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. We think that it does, but it doesn't. Willpower is a lot like a muscle. 
Once you work it too hard, it becomes fatigued and it power starts to wane. I mean, it gets tired. And you know this because you can have some willpower for a little while. Let's say they let's say they bring some donuts to your office and you're trying not to eat sweets right away. And so you can walk by the donuts one time with great confidence. I mean, I don't even need, I don't even need that chocolate-covered sprinkle one. And your willpower is strong. The second time you walk by, you don't have so much distance, but you're looking at it a little bit closer. The third time you tell yourself, I'm just going to smell it. The fourth time, you just think, I'm just going to touch it. The fifth time, you break it in half and you celebrate that you're only eating half of it. And then 30 minutes later, you come back and you eat the other half. And you think you won because you waited and spread out the donut. See, what happens is willpower doesn't work for long because it eventually starts to wane, which is a real problem if you're a follower of Jesus. Because think about it. If we're Christians, we do what we know. We, we know we're supposed to be good, to honor God, and we're not supposed to do bad, right? We're supposed to do good. We're supposed to pray and to read the Bible and to be nice and to serve and be generous. And we're not supposed to be bad. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. And we don't yell at people in the store. We're supposed to do good and we're not supposed to do bad. And so what do we do? We try with all our willpower. We're not gonna, we're not gonna say cuss words and we're not gonna, we're gonna be nice to our kids and we try and we try and we try, but eventually our sinful, sinful desires really start to overwhelm our waning willpower. And what do we do? We give in. And without even knowing, we look back and say, I took it, smoked it, touched it, clicked on it, bought it. I mean, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Have you noticed that before you fail, before you give in and do whatever you didn't want to do or can't do what you wanted to do, before you fail, have you noticed how the devil will tell you, it's no big deal, don't worry about it, everybody else is doing it, you're not hurting anybody, it's not any big deal. See, before you fail, have you noticed how your spiritual enemy tends to minimize the consequences of any wrongdoing? But after you do it, what does that same voice do? The same one that minimized it, that connects your failure to your identity. And he tells you, now you're a bad person. You are a spiritual failure. You'll never amount to anything. You're pathetic. You're worthless. You'll never change. You don't have what it takes. You can never be healthy. You can never be pure. You can never have a good marriage. You can never be financially free. I mean, before you fail, your enemy minimizes it. Afterwards, he starts to try to connect your failure to your identity. This is so important. Why? The key to really changing starts with your identity. And I want you to watch whenever the Apostle Paul was struggling the most, you can see the root of his problem in this particular dilemma when he defines his identity this way. What did he say in verse 24? He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Another version he said, oh, what a wretched man I am. Because I'm bad, because I'm pathetic, 
I, I can't do what I want. I end up doing the wrong thing. And he enters into what I would call a cycle of shame. I mean, let me try to explain. Why is it that we have such a difficulty with time changing? Because fundamentally, oftentimes, we believe I don't have what it takes. I'm incomplete. I'm pathetic. I'm bad. And so because by nature, we think we're bad, what are we going to do? We're going to try really, really hard. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Whatever it is, I'm going to try to wake up early. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hit the snooze button four times. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do 10 sit-ups today. I'm going to stop eating carbs. I'm going to stop spending more than I make. I'm going to stop being a rude person. I'm going to stop, and I'm really going to turn things around, and I'm going to start being well. I'm going to start being generous, and then we try for a little while. We may have some success, but eventually our willpower wanes, and our own strength, we just don't have enough to get it done. And once our willpower wanes, that eventually we have some sort of failure. We sin, we lose control of our temper, we say the wrong things, we fall into a lustful moment, and after inevitably failure, what do we experience? Tremendous guilt and shame, which reinforces the belief, I'm never going to please God. I'm always going to be bad. I, I mean, so what do we do? We try harder, again, to be something that we're not, but deep down, our distorted identity discourages us and disrupts our ability to become who God is calling us to become. It's the cycle of shame. And one day we wake up and think, I just can't do it. I really can never be different. Something's wrong. Something's not working. Something's not right in my life. What I want to do is I want to try to tell you that it's not something that you're missing, but it's someone. And that someone you're missing comes with a power that you do not have. The Apostle Paul was wrestling through his distorted identity. When he comes upon the truth and preaches to himself, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Who can help me? Who can change me? Who can help me be different? Who can help me honor God? He says, and then he answers the question, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is in Jesus Christ. It is a power that I do not have because he, the son sets free, is free indeed. And this is the key. It starts with identity. It's not all about behavior. And the root is this. It's not about behavior modification. What we're talking about is spiritual transformation. And oh, this is a night and day difference. It's not about you try to be a better version of you. It's about a power greater than what you have that changes you from the inside out and it empowers you to become the person that God wants you to be. It starts with identity. Come on, say it right where you're listening. It starts with identity. It's identity. So the devil wants you to think you are what you did. You are bad because you fell. Listen, you are not what you did. You are not what others say you are. You're not even what your own voice of discouragement that condemns you in your mind says you are. Who are you? You are who God says you are. You are who he says you are. And if you're in Christ, he says you're forgiven 
And if you're in Christ, he says you're free. If you're in Christ, he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says you're an ambassador of the Most High God. He says you are called and set apart. You have the righteousness of God in Christ dwelling with you. He says you can do all things, anything. He calls you to go do through the power of Christ that gives you strength. He says you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of your testimony. When you know who you are, you know what to do. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation in how you see the core of your identity when you become a child of God. You're not a better version of you. You're different. You're new. This scripture says the old self, the pathetic thing, is gone. And behold, because of Jesus, all things become new. It's a transformation. You belong to Jesus when you recognize that you belong to Jesus. When it's not just a Sunday school statement, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. When it becomes your identity, that changes everything. If you have surrendered your life and declare him as Lord, you belong to Jesus. You've adopted into the family of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. You belong to Jesus. So would you just say that? I mean, think about that. Just say it, man, right where you're at. If you've made that commitment, you say, I belong to Jesus. I belong. Just say it a few times. Sometimes you need to internalize it. Listen to me, feel it. I mean, just say it, you belong to Jesus. When you get that side inside you and you recognize, I belong to Jesus, he's my source. I belong to Jesus, he's my identity. I belong to Jesus, he's my strength. I belong to Jesus, he's power made perfect in my weakness. I belong to Jesus. When you recognize you belong to Jesus, listen. You're no longer a slave to your sinful desires, but you're filled with the Spirit of God that gives you strength. It's the Spirit that gives you strength to choose what you want most over what you want now. How do we do this like real practically? How do we live this out? Like it's not a church some church sermon sometime Tuesday morning, and, but you want to you wanna be angry. How do you live this out? The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5.16, he said, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Come on, say it. Walk by the Spirit. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk by the Spirit. And when you do, when you walk by the Spirit, I mean, I love this. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The word in the Greek language is translated as flesh, it doesn't mean like your skin. It's the Greek word sars, which it's used 147 different times in the New Testament. What that means is your sinful nature. It's your sinful desires. The apostle Paul said elsewhere, he said, we put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, we don't put no confidence in our willpower. We're going to walk in the spirit. When we're walking in the Spirit, when we're faithful to the direction of God, when we're empowered by the Spirit, we will not, not by willpower, but by the Spirit power, we will not gratify the desires of our sin, sinful and fleshly 
nature. That word walk in the Greek is from the Greek word peripateo. It, I mean, and this is a present tense verb, and I love this. What it means is when it's present tense verb, it means that it's continuous regular action. It's a habitual way of life. When you walk by the Spirit, it's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing habitual way of life. What are you, what are you doing? I'm waking up and I'm depending on the Spirit. What are you doing? Well, I'm asking the Spirit to give me the words to say. I'm asking the Spirit to give me the wisdom to know what to do. I'm asking the Spirit to give me the power to say yes to what's right. I'm asking the power of the Spirit to give me the power to say no when it's wrong. It's not my power. It's not my willpower. It's the power of the Spirit of God in me. And I'm walking with the Spirit. I'm walking with the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever known, but Christians, we sometimes are, you know, we have our own language, this Christianese, which is kind of a language. Like we say things like, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly flavored, right? I'm blessed and highly favored. I mean, we never talk like you're the guy at the office. Hey, Joe, what do you think? Hallelujah. I mean, there's Christianese everywhere. One of the things Christians say is kind of funny, and it's actually biblically right, but it's still kind of funny. They'll say a lot. They'll say, like, I'm about to take a big step of faith. Okay, I'm going to do something crazy. God called me to take a step of faith. I'm going to take a huge step of faith. What I want to do is I want to encourage you. Yeah, please, take a step of faith. Always take a step of faith. But don't just take one. Take a step of faith, followed by another step of faith, followed by a continuous, habitual action of depending on God. Another step of faith. And before long, once you're taking enough steps of faith, you're not living according to sight, but you're walking according to the Spirit. I mean, daily. And this sounds almost crazy and undoable in the beginning until your identity is so formed. I belong to Jesus that I just, I just don't like to go to church to honor him, but I need his presence with me every day. Guide my, strat, my steps, direct my thoughts, renew my mind, empower my words, use my life. Moment by moment by moment, it becomes a succession of steps when you're walking in the Spirit of God. And when you're walking in the Spirit of God, guess what? You don't obey the desires of the flesh. It becomes a spiritual habit that's born out of a spiritual identity. I'm walking with the Spirit of God. What's interesting is the metaphor. Notice what Paul said. He says you're walking. He didn't say you're running. In other words, it takes some time to get there. The challenge with what you want now, the sinful desires, what you want now, I want it now, the challenge with what you want now is almost always has an immediate payoff, right? I mean, the, the cookie tastes good now. Sexual, sexual sin feels good now. Sending that really mean and hateful text when you're angry, it feels good now. The desires of the flesh have an immediate payoff. But the greater reward, the greater reward, it's almost always takes more time. What do you want most? A godly marriage? A rich spiritual legacy? Financial freedom? A meaningful ministry? 
The greater reward always takes time. It's walking by the Spirit, depending on God day by day, moment by moment. It leads you to the greater reward. When you say, I belong to Jesus, it breaks the cycle. It does. Instead of trying hard and willpower wanes and you fail and you, you feel horrible and the cycle goes on and on, instead it looks more like this. I belong to Jesus and because I belong to Jesus, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to depend on Him. Listen to me. When I am weak, and you're going to be weak, when I am weak, His Spirit, His history, everything about Him, He is the one who helps me. It's not religious talk. It's spiritual transformation. I depend on the Spirit, and then what happens is it builds my faith because I know that He's with me, and as I'm depending on the Spirit and it builds my faith, then what does it does? It empowers the right actions. When then, in turn, what does it do? Then in turn, it makes me closer to God, and it reinforces the root identity that I am His and He is mine. I belong to Jesus. His power is within me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. You can change when your identity changes. It's not behavior modification. It's genuine spiritual transformation empowered by the risen Son of God. Then suddenly, you're not shame-driven, got to try harder, but instead you're spirit-led. You're not trying to control your flesh, which you can't do, but you're depending on the Spirit of God. And because we belong to Jesus, He's empowering us to become more and more like Him. Then here's the key. We're not striving and living for future results way out there. When I finally, you know, it's like, well, when I finally get married one day, when my kids are finally behaving one day, when I finally lose 22 pounds one day, when I finally get my cholesterol down one day, when I finally pay off my student loans one day, we're not living for results in the future. We're living from an identity today. An identity drives actions and actions create results. What do you do? You wake up one day and you say, I belong to Jesus. And because I belong to Jesus, I'm not trying to read my Bible. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to pray so much and I'm trying to be a better person. No, because you belong to Jesus, I want to read his word. Because I belong to Jesus, I love to spend time in his presence. And as I get to know him, it reinforces my identity and becoming more like him. Hey, because I belong to Jesus, I want to honor God with my body. So I'm not trying to get up and, and go to the gym. And I'm not trying to, you see, because I believe this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I choose to empower it by his spirit when I want most over what I want now. Who am I? I belong to Jesus. I'm a godly man who will be a godly husband. And for those of you who are struggling with lust, and when you change your identity, I'm a godly person, suddenly I realize I don't need porn. I mean, that's stupid. It's fake. It's disgusting. What I love is when I'm feeling tempted, I'm empowered to make right decisions. And then I love the freedom of not worry about being caught. And I love the joy of not feeling the guilt. And I love the intimacy now that I have that I, I have in my mirrors that's real and not a mirage, right? 
It's who I am in Christ. With God's help, with God's help, by his spirit, by his power, he's helping me choose what I want most over what I want now. Trust me, it's not me. Without Jesus, I can't do it. That's why I call it the joy of discipline. Like, I love it. I love it. And some will say, gosh, y'all, come on, preacher boy. I'm glad it's easy for you. Okay, you're ordained. You glow in the dark. You get spiritual power, all kind of stuff. No, man, I'm telling you, it's hard for everybody. And it's a step-by-step process. What I want you to understand is where I come from is really, really different from where I am today. Here's a little secret. It's a life-changing secret. Self-control, you want that? Discipline, self-control. Listen, you know what that is? That's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of your willpower. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, and what else? Self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So what do we do? Just answer the question, what do you really want most? Like, don't play around. What do you what do you want to be different? Name it. What is it? What do you want most? Not just what do you want most, but what do you want to become? And then wake up every day with the identity true to who God says you are. You are new in Christ. You're forgiven. You're changed. You're an overcomer. And then moment by mo- moment, you just learn to walk by the Spirit. Oh, I messed up. I confess it. Because we all mess up. I ask for forgiveness. Now give me strength again for today. And I'm going to continue successions of, of really st- of stop leaning and learning to depend on God. And it just becomes habitual. I don't need them when times are bad. I need them all the time, step by step. I'm walking according to the Spirit, and I'm not gratifying the desires of the flesh. God's Spirit's in you. God's Spirit's in you, and God's Spirit in you helps you choose what you want most over what you want now, and that's how you change, not by willpower, but by the power of the Spirit that dwells within you. So, Father, I ask that you would begin a string of miracles in people who need your power. Help us to know our identity. Help us to be disciplined in you, and help us walk in your Spirit day by day, moment by moment. Not that when the the failure comes, we don't get up and listen to the shame game. We get right back on and say, I belong to you and my identity is found in you. And I can walk in this only through you, only through my allegiance to you. You give it to me. And because of that, I'm able to succeed and walk in purity. God, I thank you for each person listening today. I pray a blessing upon them. I pray that they would be in God mode, living life undefeated by your spirit in Jesus name. Join us next week as we continue to look at this. And I hope that every one of you would recognize your identity is in Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. 
please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com. This is what you want when the nugget comes up on me and the spirit jumps up on it. And you know my God, he owns it. And you know he wants to show it because the spirit keeps on blowing. Healing and miracles are nothing in the flowing. I'm a God mode. I'm a God mode. I'm a God mode. Jesus Christ, check it out. Check it out.